The last couple of weeks, we have been talking about who are we as New Life Church, and so we handed out these books. If you haven't gotten one of these in the last couple of weeks, Albert has some extra copies. You can raise your hand and he'll bring them over to you. But these little booklets just are about who we are, and so the first half of it is our mission. The second half of it is our identity and vision, what that looks like. So these, these little book, booklets are about who we are as New Life Church. And so our mission is to engage people who are disconnected from God so they delight in Him through Jesus. And then we have our identity. We need the gospel. We are missionaries. We serve as a team and we do life together. And so the last two weeks we've talked about we do life together and we serve as a team. And this week we're going to talk about we are missionaries. As we were talking two years ago about recrafting our vision statement and what does that look like and who are we, we said, who have we been and who are we becoming? And this is the statement that came out of that, we are missionaries. We realized that we have had an identity of a church that does missions. You can look back there on the wall at the uh, global outreach partners that we support around the world. 18%, closer to 18% of our church budget goes to support global outreach partners. That's apart from short-term missions. Many of those that you see on the wall have come out of New Life Church and have gone overseas. And so we we said what we have is this identity of people who send missionaries. But what we don't have as much is an identity of us ourselves as missionaries. And so we, we are working on that and, and saying this is one of our core values. This is one of our identity statements. Who are we? We are missionaries. Jesus has sent us on the extension of his mission. We maintain a prayer list of people disconnected from God. We have mission on our calendar and have margin for people. We aim for at least one drink or meal per week with people who are disconnected from God. Th- these are, are things that we want to see us doing. And so as we talk about that this morning, let's turn together uh, to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. And that's where we're going to look at um, our identity as missionaries this morning. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, we're starting in verse 14. Second Corinthians chapter 5, starting in verse 14. For the love of Christ controls us. Because we have concluded this, that one has died for all, therefore all have died. And he died for all, that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, 
so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. As you start looking at this in verse 14, it says, For the love of Christ controls us because we have concluded this, that one has died for all, therefore all have died. We, we have to start, even when we're talking in our identity about uh, we are missionaries, we have to begin with we need the gospel. Right? That, that's where we have to begin. Every single week we have to begin there. Because our identity with Christ as missionaries makes no sense apart from our identity with Christ in our need for Him. It says, for the love of Christ controls us because we have concluded this, that one has died for all, therefore all have died. Now, this is made a little bit more explicit in Romans chapter 5, which uh, we'll be going back to Romans and actually into chapter 5 next week. But Romans chapter 5 verse 6 says it this way. For while we were still weak, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare even to die. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since, therefore, we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. For if, while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his Son, much more, now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. More than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. The problem is that we have this sin that keeps us from being reconciled with God. You, you've had this happen in your own relationships with other people, I'm sure. Where you've done something, you've hurt the other person, and there's brokenness in the relationship. Right? And there has to be some sort of reconciliation before that relationship can be restored. And what this is telling us is that we all have this kind of brokenness in our relationship with God. It's not as wholesome as we would like it to be. It's not as pure as we would like it to be. In fact, it's so ugly and so awful that the wrath of God is kindled against us because of our sin against Him. Because of our selfishness, because of our unwillingness to recognize Him as God or treat Him as God. And so the wrath of God is kindled against us, but even while we were still there, and this I think is the greatest part of the gospel, while we were still in our sin, Christ died for us. Isn't that wonderful? While we were still in our sin, Christ died for us. He didn't go, you know, I would love to reconcile with you, but you are still hurting me. You are still uh, sinning against me. He didn't say, if you clean up your act, then maybe, maybe I will consider reconciling with you. No, instead, he saw our brokenness, he saw the brokenness in relationship, and he said, you are not going to be able to fix this. I'm going to have to fix this for you. And while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He took the wrath, he took the punishment that we deserved, and he said, you know what, I'm going to deal with all of the consequences of your sin so that you can be reconciled with God the Father. What a great place to start. 
That even though we are broken in our relationship with God because of our sin, because of our selfishness, because of our pursuit of other things other than God, our worshiping other things, our praising other things, our delighting in other things, even with all of that, Jesus says, I'm going to die in your place. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since, therefore, we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. No longer do we have to deal with the wrath of God because we believe that Jesus Christ died in our place and we've been reconciled with God. For for if while we were enemies we were reconciled to God by the death of his Son, much more, now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. More than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. That's why we're here this morning. It's to praise God for that. It's to rejoice in Jesus because He has reconciled us with God the Father and done what we could not do. He's done what we could not do. I've talked with many people who are in this place that, that they go... I just, God could never love me. No, He can. He can love you. No, if you knew all of the stuff that I had done, you would know that God could never love me. No, that's that's the whole point. He already does love you. He loves you so much that He sent His Son so that you could be reconciled because you're right, you cannot be reconciled apart from Him. But with Him, you can be reconciled. And you can rejoice in that new relationship with God. It's a new identity as people who are reconciled with God. So going back now to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, In verse 14 it says, For the love of Christ controls us. Because we have concluded this, that one has died for all, therefore all have died. And He died for all, so that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for Him who for their sake died and was raised. Now, this is the part where I think that we sometimes get off track. Because we believe the whole... um, and Jesus died for my sins and now I'm saved from, from my sins peace. And, but we sort of lose our way after that, thinking that, well, He died for my sins and so now I'm forgiven and now I can do whatever I want. What God was really trying to do is He was looking at me and He was saying, Travis, I see that you have this sin problem and you are very unhappy and I think you would be much more happy if I died for you and removed your sins and then you could be happy. And we have this idea that, oh, hey, now I can be happy because my sins are gone. Now I can be at peace because my sins are gone. And, and that is true. There, there is a peace that you have when your sins are removed. And there is a happiness that comes when your sin is removed. But it is not in itself the end. The purpose of our salvation is not so that we can be self-satisfied. As though somehow our biggest sin problem was that it made me feel yucky. And now that my sin is gone, I don't feel yucky anymore. No, look, what does it say? And he died for all, that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but... 
for him who for their sake died and was raised. You have been saved for a purpose and it's not for you. It's for Jesus. He saved you for his own purposes. It's not just, oh, hey, now I feel better. Now I can do whatever I want. My, my grandfather, some of you have heard this story, but I like it so much I'm going to tell it again because many of you haven't heard it. My grandfather is an amazing man. He was a, a missionary in Africa. He planted four different churches. Um, and even into his old age, he was still uh, just talking about Jesus with everybody. And he had this ability to connect the gospel, the good news of Jesus, with every situation. It was remarkable. Not everybody has that gift, but honed over many, many years, he had developed this. And so uh, the example that I am thinking of is that he went into his doctor's office, eye doctor, for a checkup, and was talking with the, the doctor, and was saying, do you like what you do? Doctor said, oh yeah, I love what I do. Why? Because I help people see. They come in and their vision is blurry and they go out and they can see. And that to me is so satisfying that I can do that. And my grandfather turned to him and said, so if somebody comes in and they can't see very well because their vision is all blurry and you help them so that they can see and the man comes back to you and he says, thanks so much, doc. I, thanks so much, doc. I can view my pornography so much more clearly now. Is that a win? And the doctor just, I mean, his eyes got big because he hadn't thought about that. And my grandfather turned to him and said, you need not only to help fix people's eyes, but help them understand how to use them. This guy wasn't a Christian. But my grandfather was helping him have a different vision. His vision was becoming more clear about what he did, does and the value of that. What's the purpose for which he's correcting vision? Is it just so that they'll be more happy? Or is there a, a purpose for which he's correcting their vision? And what we see here is that he's not, uh, Jesus is not just correcting our sins so that we are improved, but he died for all that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. From now on, therefore, verse 16, from now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh, even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. He says, well, now, because of what Christ has done, we look at everything differently than we otherwise did. We look at everything differently. We look at everyone differently. We look at everyone differently. Because prior to Christ's work in us, we looked at them from a selfish perspective. Do I like this person or do I not like this person? Do I want to spend time with this person or do I not want to spend time with this person? 
Can I benefit from this person? Can this person help me? Does this person make me feel better about myself? Does this person make me feel worse about myself? Is this fun? Is this not fun? And we look at people from that perspective and we say, I'm going to prioritize the relationships based on how they make me feel. Of course, there are a couple of people, their family, you're stuck with them. But I'll mitigate that in certain ways. And we find that we evaluate people according to our own fleshly desires. In fact, often, even though we don't admit it, right? It's not, it's not polite to admit it. But we really evaluate everybody according to a grid. Somebody walks into our life, we meet them for the first time. How old are they? What kind of shape are they in? What kind of economic status do we think that they have? What kind of education level do we think they've attained? How much of a match do we think they are to us? We wouldn't tell people that we do that, but it's just sort of natural, right? And what he says here is, From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. We are going to purpose in our hearts that from now on, we're no longer going to do it that way. We're no longer going to have the grid. We're no longer going to look at people from a fleshly perspective and say, is this a person that I want to hang out with or not? We're going to look at them from a different perspective. Even though at one time we even looked at Christ this way. At one time we even looked at Christ from a fleshly perspective. In uh, 1 Corinthians 1, verses 18 and 19, it says, For the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, and the discernment of the discerning I will thwart. We, we used to look at Christ even in the flesh and go, but that doesn't make sense. I don't know if I want that. But even with him, we don't regard him that way anymore. We now look at Christ and say, he has so loved me, he has so changed my life and my relationship with God that now I am going to live with, for him. And because I am living for him, I am now going to look at people with the perspective of Jesus instead of my own. And I'm going to look at people and I'm going to say, I have one grid. Reconciled to God or not reconciled to God? When I talk with this person, are they reconciled to God or are they not reconciled to God? I can't tell. I don't know yet. It's not polite to ask. I'm going to just wait. I'm going to see. I'm just going to, going to wait and I'm going to say, I, I'm not going to evaluate this person yet and where they're at yet because I don't know. But my one grid is, is this person reconciled to God or is this person not reconciled to God? Because the greatest need that they have in their life is reconciliation with God the Father. That's the greatest need that they have in their life. We think that people have other great needs. But that's the only one that really matters. Well, they're hungry, yes, but they need Jesus. Take care of the food and let them know that they need Jesus. They don't have clothes. Right. Clothe them and tell them they need Jesus. They have a problem with their spouse. Okay, tell them to reconcile with their spouse and that they need Jesus. 
They're having trouble at work. They're having issues with co-workers. Their kids don't like them and don't want to hang around. Yes, those are all issues, big issues. But if we don't have this reconciliation with God piece figured out, all those other ones are small potatoes. The biggest need that everybody has is reconciliation with Jesus. And until you have that, the other stuff doesn't matter. We have to get that one dialed in first. It says in verse 18, All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. The reason that we now view people from this perspective, reconciled or unreconciled with God, is because we ourselves have been reconciled and have been given this ministry of reconciliation. Let me stop just for a second, because there's a lot of terms that get thrown out. We talk about uh, evangelize or evangelism and mission and outreach and engage. And, and depending on which term, I, I think what we do is we just change the terms after one of them get, start, starts sounding scary to people, right? Evangelism. We all need to be about evangelism. Oh, no, that's scary. Okay, we're not doing evangelism. We're doing mission. Oh, no, I understand what mission means now. That's not for me. Okay, we're doing engagement, people. That's all we're doing. We're just doing engagement. We just change the words on you. But it all means the same thing. What does evangelism mean? What does it mean to evangelize? It means to good news someone. That sounds scary. We want you to go out and good news people. We want you to go and tell them good news. How hard is that? Hey, guess what? I've got good news. Please. What's the bad news? No, I don't have any bad news for you. Just good news. While you were in your sin and uh, separated from God, Jesus died and was raised again so that you could be reconciled to God. That's the good news. How hard is that? Hard enough that we have to change it, call it mission. Because people don't want to do evangelism. Okay, mission. We have been commissioned by Jesus. At, at the end of the book of Matthew, he sends out his disciples and says, Go therefore. And make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. You are sent by Jesus to continue the mission of Jesus to proclaim the coming of the kingdom of God. That's your mission. How scary is that? You just go and tell people God loves you and Jesus came to die for your sins so that you can be reconciled to God. Well, it's scary enough that we call it outreach instead. What are we doing? We're reaching out to people who are separated from God. Or according to uh, our vision statement and our identity, we engage people who are disconnected from God. Why do we say it that way? We engage people. Because it's an active thing. You cannot do it unless you are connected with somebody relationally. We are engaging with people relationally so that we can help people who are disconnected from God become reconciled with God. But don't, don't mistake all of these things that make it sound like, oh man, now I'm going to have to memorize four spiritual laws so that I can communicate it clearly. I'm going to have to draw a one-verse bridge on a napkin and I can't even remember what the verse is. 
I barely remember that the bridge is a cross in between. We, we think that we have to have all these different tools because it's not evangelism unless you're using tools. But the reality is that you have been called to bring people into reconciliation with God. And so if you see somebody that is bro- has a broken relationship with God, you can just advocate that they reconcile with Him because He has already reached out to them. I noticed that you're disconnected from God. Why is that? Because I was burned by the church a long time ago. And I will never go back. So some of God's broken people hurt you. And even though God loves you and sees this broken relationship and wants to reconcile with you, you don't want to reconcile with God because of things that people did a long time ago? Yep. Okay, let's talk about that. Some people's issues might be different than that. But many people, that's the issue. They were hurt by the church a long time ago. They were disenfranchised with God because of something that happened. My mom got sick. I can never forgive God for that. Okay. That's tough. Let's walk together through this. There's not quick, easy answers. Reconciliation is hard. When there's broken relationship, reconciliation is a difficult thing to fix. They don't trust God. Relationship is broken because they are in their sin and continually sinning against God and His wrath is against them and they don't trust Him. You're not just going to come in and go, you know what, I've got these four spiritual laws though. That's not to say four spiritual laws never work or a one-verse bridge never works, but we need to be engaged with people in relationship so that we can help walk alongside them and go, just like you and I are friends, you can be friends with God. Can I help you bridge that relationship with God? I just want to walk alongside you and help you know how wonderful it is to be free from your sin in Christ. I want you to know how wonderful it is to be connected to God. I delight in Him. I just can't think of anything better than being connected to God, and I want you to know that too. I'm sorry for the stuff that happened. I'm sorry for all the things that went wrong, and that's really awful, but I want you to know that God really does love you. And has suffered on your behalf so that you can be reconciled with him. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. We have the privilege and the responsibility to be reconcilers. It's part of our identity of, as who we are as Christians. This isn't an optional add-on thing. It's not the kind of thing where, well, you know, I get saved, and then I'm good with God. And some people with a certain personality type or the really advanced users, they are the reconcilers and missionaries. This, everybody's called to this. Everybody's called to this. 
It's an engaging in relationship with people to help them be reconciled with God. Just because we love them. Sometimes when we talk about it, it sounds awkward. Like, oh, okay, so I have to go pick somebody to be my project until they believe in Jesus. And then I can drop them and find somebody else and they'll be my project. Don't make it awkward. It doesn't have to be. Make friends. Love people. And as you love them, recognize that the thing that they need most is to be reconciled to God. That's the thing that they need most. Just like you would help them out because you love them with any other issue, you want to help them out with their spiritual issue because they're disconnected from God. Colossians chapter 4 says, in uh, verse 2, says, Continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. At the same time, pray also for us that God may open to us a door for the word to declare the mystery of Christ on account of which I am in prison, that I may make it clear which is how I ought to speak. Walk in wisdom toward outsiders, making the best use of the time. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. Paul, Paul is writing to his friends in the church at Colossae and he's asking them, would you pray for me? Would you pray for me? Because my mission, my purpose is to help people be reconciled to God and I want for the doors to be open. I want this to be our prayer too. That we are praying for God to open the doors that we might speak the mystery of the gospel and make it clear in the way that we ought to speak. You're going, I can't do that. I hardly understand it myself. That's why we pray. We pray so that God will open the doors and so that when we speak, the Holy Spirit makes it clear. You don't have to save anybody. Jesus already did all the work. You can thank Him for that. You don't have to die for anybody. You don't have to rise from the dead, which is good because you can't. We just trust Jesus in that. He's the power. He's the strength. He did all the work. All we do is we wait for the doors to open and we tell people about it. We're praying and we're asking for those opportunities to come and we're looking for them so that we can pray. Oftentimes when we start talking about engagement and, and mission and evangelism and outreach and those kinds of things, we start talking about the ministries of the church. And I want you to know that those are tools. Okay, we, we have an engagement board on the back. Right now, the only thing on that engagement board, the engagement opportunities board, is Awana. There are other things happening in the church, and we will start to put them on there, but I want you to know that those are tools. Just because you help in Awana does not mean you're doing evangelism and outreach. Just because you help with sports camp does not mean you're doing evangelism and outreach. Just because you help with coffee cart, just because you go uh, to help in a club, just because you go to Coffee Creek, just because you go wherever it is that you go, that in itself does not mean you're doing evangelism and outreach. Sometimes it's this thing that you're checking the box off and going, ha ha, it counts. 
I didn't talk to anybody while I was there, but I went. It has to be relationship. Those are tools to build relationship, to provide places of connection. And so you're going to start seeing things on that engagement opportunities board. Some of those things are going to be ministries of our church that we are using to engage people who are disconnected from God. Some of them are going to be just activities that are happening in the community where you can go and meet people in this community and build some relationships. But I want you to know that apart from the relationships, those things are not going to happen. They're tools for you to build relationships. And when you understand that, then you can be at Awana and you can use that as engagement. Because you're praying for the doors to be open and you're looking for opportunities to share the gospel with people and tell them about the good news that Jesus Christ has died for them so they can be reconciled with God. You could go to coffee cart and serve coffee to people and you're using it as a tool to build relationship with people so that you can tell them the gospel. And once you understand that piece, you recognize that you don't need the tools because you already are connected with people and engaged in relationship with people who are already disconnected from God and all you have to do is start praying that God will open up the door so that you can communicate the gospel with them. Maybe it's co-workers, maybe it's uh, family members, maybe it's your neighbor. Maybe you uh, are a part of a, a community club of some kind. Maybe it's some sort of hobby that you do. Maybe it's a a place that you go and eat on a regular basis, a restaurant or a coffee shop or something that you go to on a regular basis and you start meeting the people who are also regulars there. And you start realizing that all of these are tools and opportunities and the evangelism, the engagement, the mission, the outreach just takes place within those relationships as you're praying that God would open the doors and you're watching for opportunities to share the good news about Jesus. Back in 2 Corinthians 5, verse 18, it says, All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Verse 19, that is, in Christ God was reconciling the world to himself and not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. God making his appeal through us. And we implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. He, he begins with the gospel, he ends with the gospel. All of this is framed by the gospel, that we ourselves need to be reconciled with God. And then the purpose for which we have been reconciled is so that we can help others to also be reconciled. Look at the way he talks about this. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself. God was doing the reconciling. He was reconciling the world to himself. There's no pressure on us then. Right? You don't have to feel like, okay, it's up to me. I have to reconcile these people. Have you been in that situation before where you have two friends who something comes between them and you go, okay, it's up to me. I've got to be the peacemaker. I'm going to have to fix this. You, You don't have to do that. God is already at work reconciling all we are as the messengers. He has entrusted entrusted to us the message 
of reconciliation. God loves you. He's reaching out to you. He has provided reconciliation for you. He has provided forgiveness of sin for you through the death and resurrection of Jesus. And I want you to know that He is ready to be reconciled with you. We are just the messengers of the reconciliation that God is already at work doing. Therefore, He says, we are ambassadors for Christ. God is making His appeal through us and we implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. Now, recognize who Paul's talking to at this point. He's talking to the church. He's going, you have been saved and you've been called to this ministry of reconciliation and I want you to know that this is the purpose for which I have been sent and I'm calling you, you be reconciled to God. You be reconciled to God. He can't help it. It's so a part of who Paul is that he implores them, exhorts them, encourages, strongly begs, be reconciled to God and become a reconciler, a message bearer. That's why when we talk about it, we talk about engaging with those who are disconnected from God so they delight in Him through Jesus. We want people to move to delight. Because there are some people who overall they're reconciled to God, but today they feel kind of yucky. Last night sin got the best of them. Today they're not sure where they stand. And I implore you, be reconciled to God. The message didn't change because you had sin last night. The message didn't change because you failed. The message is still the same. He's got His hand out to you to be reconciled with you. And so be reconciled to Him. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God because He made Him to be sin who knew no sin so that in Him we might become the righteousness of God. Do not think of yourself as a sinner. Think of yourself as the righteousness of God. Because when we have been reconciled with Him, that's what we are. Jesus removed the sin. It's gone. We're now righteous. Connected with God. There's nothing between us any longer. And so I want to implore you, on behalf of Christ, Would you be reconciled with God? And would you be praying that God will open the doors for the gospel, that you might make it clear in the way that you ought to speak, that you might walk with wisdom toward outsiders, making the best use of every time? That's my prayer for you this week. That God would open the doors and you'd see amazing things happen as you see your role having been reconciled with God, to be a reconciler and a message bearer of that reconciliation. Let's pray for that now. Our Father in heaven, we, we are so grateful for the reconciliation that we have received in you. Lord, we don't want to skip over that. we recognize that we have sin. Sin that separates us from You. Sin that must be confessed and repented of. 
But Lord, because of the work of Jesus, because He has already died and extended grace toward us and risen again from the dead to conquer sin and death, Father, may we be bold to come and confess and proclaim that we repent and are turning to You. And Lord, I pray for those who are here today that You would use them First, that you would help them to reconcile with you. And second, that they might be message bearers, proclaiming the good news that Jesus Christ is Lord, who has died for sins and risen again from the dead. That we might praise you all the more. That as we delight in you, and others hear and begin to delight in you and be reconciled with you that the praise might multiply more and more and more. And we ask for this in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen.